Welcome to Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba. The programming that you're about to see was taped earlier this year. Clearly, so much has changed since then, and unfortunately, a lot of uncertainty and fear remain. However, the issues and the topics raised in this edition of Lessons in Leadership will still matter once we get through these very challenging and difficult times. So without further ado, Lessons in Leadership. Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato. I'm here with my colleague, Mary Gamba. How are you doing, Mary? Doing great today, Steve. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. We're going to talk a lot right out of the box about leading in challenging times. Some people call it a crisis, but it's in the eye of the beholder, whether you call it a crisis or a challenging time or whatever it is. But we're going to be talking to our, our longtime uh, colleague and friend, Bob Garrett, from Hackensack Meridian Health in just a minute. Mary, do, do us a favor, let folks know who the sponsors of the show are. Mm -hmm. We have some great sponsors. We've got Prager Metis. Uh, we also have Gibbons Law Firm, New Jersey Resources, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. And by the way, you, you're watching us uh, on News 12 Plus, listening on AM 970, and a whole range of other outlets, including? Mm -hmm. Including NJBIA, NJ.com, Best of NJ. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, as well as on Google Play. Here we go. So listen, we're taping this program on the 9th of March. You don't need me to tell you that as we do this program, and you'll see it after that, that there's been tremendous concern, anxiety, nervousness, fear around the coronavirus. We hope that when this program airs in a couple of weeks, it will not be as severe, but we don't know. But I'll tell you what, and I just said this before to Mary, whether it's this particular situation or the SARS situation before that or uh, the Ebola situation, public health challenges really challenge leaders. And on the line right now is Bob Garrett, who is the chief executive officer of Hackensack Meridian Health. Um, hey, Bob, how you doing? Good. Good to be with you guys. Bob, do us a favor. Um, let folks know exactly what the footprint of Hackensack Meridian Health is. Sure, Steve. Uh, Hackensack Meridian Health today is a 17-hospital health network. Uh, we have 500 patient care locations, and that ranges from physician's offices to surgery centers, urgent care centers, assisted living, um, fitness centers, as well as a vast post-acute care network, including nursing homes, rehab centers, and, um, and sub-acute care centers. So um, it's, a, it's an extensive healthcare network that's really located throughout the, uh, the state of New Jersey. We have 36,000 team members, 7,000 affiliated uh, physicians that are working uh, with Hackensack Meridian. And to that end, uh, let me disclose that I've done a significant amount of leadership and communication coaching within the network. We actually um, teaching in a physician leadership academy there as well. And really, it brings us to this point. So, Bob, there was an, an article in ROI, correct, Mary, by Tom Bergeron? Yes. In ROI that really talked about and talked significantly about the kind of communication that uh, Bob has been involved in as it relates to the coronavirus. Bob, let me ask you this. Whether it's the coronavirus or fast forward could be any situation we're hoping and praying nothing else gets worse, but how do you prepare and have how have you prepared for a crisis when you don't know exactly how it's going to play out or when it's going to hit? Well, you know, there's I think there's certain fundamentals um and in you know, in the healthcare industry, uh there there's 
been, you know, a series of crises uh, historically. And uh, as as uh, you said, whether it's the coronavirus or it might have been SARS or Ebola before it, or in, in the case of Hackensack Meridian, you know, we were uh, hit with a ransomware cybersecurity attack just a couple of months ago. Uh, there's certain fundamentals. I mean, you have to you have to prepare the organization. You have to practice. You have to drill for uh, for different uh, scenarios that are out there. You have to educate your uh, your workforce, and then you have to have a, a really solid communication plan that um, really is proactive and um, is timely is accurate and uh, you know some people you know say well sometimes you know you you, you might be overkilling uh, communications I don't believe that I think particularly in challenging times in cri- in times of crisis uh, people are looking for accurate information they're looking for timely information and I'd rather be accused of uh, of practicing overkill than uh, not communicating enough and uh, you can allay some of those uh, fears that you were uh, referring to earlier so it's interesting Bob um to what degree do you, as the leader, the CEO of the organization, <clears throat> feel that you, it's so interesting, this question about who is the, one thing is what's the message, the other question is who's the messenger, and obviously on the national level that issue is being played out. President Trump is speaking a lot about this, uh, leaders at the Centers for Disease Control are speaking a lot about this. There are clinicians and non-clinicians. You're a non-clinician, but you're the CEO of this very large healthcare network, do you feel it should be you or someone else with a clinical background who's, quote, actually communicating? It's actually, the, the answer to the question is it's both. Um, so I think it's very important that the CEO, the leader of uh, an organization really speaks for that organization. You know, many times I've referred to myself as the chief mission officer because, you know, it's it's important that um, the mission of the organization always is uh, forefront, in the forefront, and that it's communicated um, over and over. In our case, it's about care transformation. So I think it's important whether it's a time of crisis or just in, in everyday communication. Having said that, though, it's important that you make sure that subject matter experts also um, weigh in and communicate regularly. So in our case, we've had daily communications, not just from me uh, in terms of the overall situation, but also from uh, our chief medical um, executive for the Hackensack Meridian Network, as well as our uh, chief uh, of infection uh, control and infection prevention, because they are the subject matter experts when it comes to this coronavirus uh, uh, communication. Now, when it came, when it when we were communicating uh, about the ransomware, about the uh, cybersecurity attack, we had others like our chief of um, information technology as one of our key uh, spokespeople. So I think it's important that that people hear from from the leader, uh, the CEO in, in this case, because uh, you know there's probably no Nobody like the leader that can at least reassure people that, you know, we're, we're managing the crisis, uh, that we're, you know, covering all the contingencies. But it's also important to recognize that the CEO is not always the subject matter expert, and therefore you got to bring in the appropriate people, the pre- appropriate clinical people, the appropriate scientists, the technicians, uh, depending on what the situation uh, calls for. You're listening to Bob Garrett, who is the CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health. This is Steve Adubato and my co-host, Mary Gamba, in the studio here. This is Lessons in Leadership. We're here at East Main Media Studios. Bob, let me try this one on you. So, again, we've talked a lot about leadership offline as well. And one of the keys in a crisis is for a leader 
for he or she to stay calm. Let me ask you this question, because people are watching you. People are playing off your cues. And I will say, it's so interesting. We're talking about real challenging situations. Mary has been very critical of me appropriately. So at times when things have gone wrong, say in the studio, and I haven't handled that well, and I overreact, and it makes things worse. Absolutely, it makes well, things worse. Exactly. So Bob, here's my question. In a real crisis or a real situation, how do you, there's no other way to say this, quote, manage your emotions? Yeah, you know, it's. I think it is important that the, uh, you know, you're as a as a leader, you're you're in a fishbowl, uh, honestly, Steve. Whether you're, you know, uh, in your your office environment or, in my case, if you're out amongst our physicians at the uh, hospitals, it is incredibly important to uh, to stay calm, to say to say stay cool and collective, as well as very focused. So uh, la last week, as an example, when uh, this uh, coronavirus crisis uh, became more acute and uh, it really looked like the, there was going to be more community spread, I was out there. I, I rounded at six different hospitals last week. I was very visible. People saw me, um, you know, interacting uh, with, our, with our various uh, team members uh, in a very, very calm way. But, you know, I attended some safety huddles where the coronavirus was talked about. We spoke about it, was very transparent about the fact that we did have a, a patient uh, at one of our hospitals that was under under care, um, you know, and gave gave the team uh, you know, uh, a little bit of an update uh, about that, even though I was at a, another hospital at the, at the time, not the hospital that the patient was at. Um, and, you know, I think, I think that visibility and calmness, uh, you know, during a crisis is so important. And even in the communication, it's very, you know, our, our communications are very factual. They're very, uh, they're very calm. They're, uh, they're, they're um, soothing, if you will, because you know I think uh, you know people get reassured when they they hear how the team is doing. And I never, you know, pass up an opportunity to compliment our our team as well, because you know these these folks are on the front lines and they're uh, they're saving lives each and every day. But they, you know, they're still right on the front lines there, and you know it's something that I I would never take for granted. And by the way, let's remind folks we are in fact taping this interview about crisis leadership, if you will, with Bob um, on the 9th of March. I want to be really, really clear. If you want to get day-to-day -day news as to what's going on, our, our partners and friends over at uh, NJTV News do a great job of that, or News 12 Plus, you can check them out as well at News 12, excuse me, News 12, um, their operation, and a whole range of other news platforms. This is not a news program. It is a program about leadership to help leaders be the best they can be under challenging circumstances. Bob, last question before we let you go, because I know you're dealing with a whole range of issues. Um, I'm a big fan of what I like to call, quote, disciplined communication. And Bob's a, 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 a football fan. He's a fan of the New York football giants, if you will. And so, Bob, here's the connection. I often say it's important to communicate, I'm doing this on camera, within the goalpost. What I mean by that is, your main message, the things you need to get across have to be within the goalpost. Stay disciplined, stay focused, Mary Gamba, right? And when you start getting outside the goalpost and saying things that you're not sure about, that you really shouldn't be getting into, um, things that are incorrect, it's dangerous. How do you, trust me, there's a question here, Bob, how do you stay inside the goalpost? You know, I, th I think you're absolutely right about staying inside the goalposts as being real important. I think the the you know your your message needs to be relatively short 
needs to be concise and focused and factual. And we do we do a lot of fact checking uh, before communications uh, go out. And the other piece is I, I said it before, but bring in the subject matter experts. If if you're not sure about a fact, um, don't don't you know don't put it out there in the communication. Make sure that your subject matter expert can uh, can comment on it. You know, honestly, before we had our cybersecurity attack, I, I you know I didn't know every aspect of our cybersecurity protection system, but I did bring in the appropriate people as part of our communication, as part of our leadership plan to address those those kinds of specific issues. And by the way, you know, one thing in leadership in terms of uh, being a secure leader and a mature leader is sometimes admitting you don't know. That's right. And, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's saying, I, I just don't know. If somebody asks a question, I'm at a town hall meeting and I don't know the answer. I'm not going to try to guess at it. I'm going to I'm going to bring in the appropriate people. Or if I don't have that person there, I, I will often say I will get back to you uh, with the correct information. And we do. To Bob's point, that is what I mean by being disciplined, Mary. If you don't know, actually trying to answer a question in a public forum in the media that you don't know the answer to, you're going outside the goalpost, and then you're going to try to put the genie back in the bottle, say you were taken out of context. That's dangerous stuff. So, Bob, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about leading and communicating in very challenging times. Thank you, Bob. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Good stuff. Uh, Mary, let's go to a break right now. Uh, we'll be right back after this talking more about communicating and leading in very challenging times. This is Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve. That's Mary. We'll be right back. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Prager Metis, Gibbons PC, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership with Steve Adubato and my colleague, Mary Gamba. Um, quick reaction, Mary, to uh, Bob Garrett's comments. It's fascinating hearing a leader talk about in real time when there's a crisis happening. Some of the key things that I was jotting down were educate, be visible. You don't need to be the smartest person in that room. And that's really what I took away from it. Most leaders, they think, hey, if there's a crisis, I need to be in there and I need to have all the facts. And Bob really hit it on the head that you don't need to have all the facts in those types of situations. You need to know who to go to to get those facts. And if you don't, they're not in that room. You let the people know, hey, listen, I don't have that answer. I'll get back to you at a later time. You know, again, this really brings up a fascinating question. We're taping on the 9th, <clears throat> excuse me, of March. It'll be seen after that. It'll be heard after that. <sighs> Take your politics, your political views, your ideology, try to put it aside for a second, all right? But I often study and think about President Trump um, or any president. I've been doing a lot of research around presidential leadership. There's a really wonderful book that C-SPAN put out. Mary, uh, Google the name of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just this. called The Presidents. I think it's called The Presidents, it is, put out yeah. by C-SPAN. And they had all these different presidential historians, Doris Kearns Goodwin, who wrote about the Roosevelts, a whole range of other people, Doug Brinkley, a great presidential historian. The reason I mention it is because I'm a student of presidential leadership. What does it have to do with this? Well, whether it's FDR or John F. Kennedy or Lyndon Johnson or Abraham Lincoln, they all face one crisis or another, right? So what struck me and what is worth putting on the table is for President Trump, I think it's very challenging. And again, we're taping on the 
9th of March. Go back to the beginning. People want to be optimistic. You want to be positive. You don't want to scare people. A really important part of leadership. But is there also a risk for a leader in a crisis of downplaying, minimizing, and also potentially blaming others? I remember the president blamed on the media, the quote, Democrats. Again, forget your politics. And also was saying that it's a very limited situation. It's not going to spread. And the vaccine's coming in a couple of months. My only question is this. Can a leader make the mistake of being overly optimistic in a situation like this? It's a balancing act. You don't want to give the public a false sense of security by saying that everything's going to be okay. On the flip side, you don't want him running around with his arms up in the air and saying the sky is falling. Nothing good is going to come of that either. What Bob Garrett had said, the the CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health, who you just had on, is educate. Get the information, be factual, but be concise. What if you don't know? See, but in a very public press Mm -hmm. conference, sorry for interrupting. Yeah. In a very public press conference, when the president said that a vaccine for this particular virus, and again, it does, it, this is really not about the coronavirus, it's about leadership in, in challenging times. When the president said that the fa- vaccine would be available in a few months and on the outside a year, or whatever, uh, something like that, uh, Anthony Fauci, who at the time we're taping this, was a, is a top infectious disease expert, had to publicly correct the president and say it, w- it was more like a year and a half to be optimistic. Ouch. Ouch. It's hard. He had to do that. And you and I have talked about this offline. Dr. Fauci? He had to. There are millions and millions of people tuned in waiting to hear the latest fact. Every day I wake up, I take a look at Facebook to see the new cases or, or, or Twitter. And he needed to jump in, but there has to be a nuance. There has to be a delivery. So it's not, it doesn't make it seem like, oh, president, no, you're not right with that. It's, oh, let me just clarify for those listening that this is exactly what you mean, right? You could, it's all in how you nuance it, it's how you phrase it. So this way you're not necessarily putting down the person or saying, but you just wanna make sure that you're giving the most accurate inf- information. This is an interesting question because Mary and I talk about this a lot. Now, uh, again, I, I'm the leader of our small organization. Brian's the leader here at East Main Media. People watching, listening right now, there are different kinds of leaders in all kinds of situations. It's not so much just about crisis communication, but I am curious about this. Should someone on a leader's team correct publicly the leader when he or she says something that's simply not true, or do you let it go and talk privately? If the stakes are high, and especially in that case, I believe that was live, right? It was live. That was live. In that situation where everybody is taken down, every everyone's terrified. It's something new. It's something we don't know, and we want to get information. In that situation, and it is by a case by case basis, you do need to interrupt and correct and be factual because that information is then going to be disseminated in so many other ways. So if you don't fix it right then and there, but in some other situations, sure, we've had times where later on we'll go back and say, "Oh, Steve, you could have handled." this differently or Mary why don't you handle it this way with this person but in that situation when you're talking about facts you need to get it straight up right at the time what about if the leader says Brian don't sorry uh, Mary if the leader says don't correct me in public I'm not saying the president said that I don't know that but go ahead well I'm sure he didn't like it all that much (laughs) in the case of a public health situation is that different Let's turn the question around a little bit. I mean, should Fauci have have sort of said, hey, look, step aside, let me clear the record? I think he did it politely. Um, Go ahead. You know, but in the case of our president, uh, you know, people often criticize him that 
um, he's dealing with his insecurities or he has his own psychology of why he's doing these things and his ego. Also, people have commented, of, well, why don't more people incorrect misstatements, right? And this is, again, not being political, but about President Trump. In the case of what we're talking about with a public health emergency, I think the other issue is about trust. So if we've already eroded the trust between leaders, a, any leader. Any leader right? in any situation. So that's really what I think the issue is. And so if you're posing the question of, well, should someone step up and say, hey, hold on, let me set the record straight. This is what needs to be known. I think in this case with public health emergency, I mean, we're seeing it evolve hour by hour. Okay, again, I want to clarify, though, yeah. we are not, the Lessons in Leadership is not a program about where are we with the coronavirus. Uh, go to News 12 Plus, go to NJTV News, go to NJ.com, go to uh, news sources day to day <clears throat> that are monitoring this. But I will say, I am, I do think that it's appropriate. And by the way, it's, it's interesting. We keep talking about leadership. Dr. Fauci was a leader. He led by stepping up and clarifying publicly because that was courageous. Oh, absolutely. And also, too, you need to realize we need to take a step back. If you're a CEO of a company and you're going in to talk to your team in an important board meeting, you need to have the facts going in. And you talked about the goalposts. You need to know what is and is not OK to say as the CEO of that company or as the leader of the free world. And if you're not sure. And if you're not sure, don't, don't say, say it. it. So, Just don't so say it. go let, you know, whether or not to say something to somebody that says something as if you're a really effective leader, you're going to know what to say and what not to say. And to, Bob, know. to what Bob Garrett said, you know, he's not afraid of saying, hey, look, this is not my expertise. Right. Let me get the expert on this. Right. That's you know what's so interesting point. about that? The Brian just said, I, I'm fascinated by this because I asked uh, Bob a question about how you manage your emotions. The other thing is managing your ego. Right. And, and again, one of the things that fascinates me about leadership is that people say, oh, you have to have the confidence to handle a crisis and get out front and be the man or the woman out front. Really? Is, is that what confidence means? How about having the confidence to say, I don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm going to gather people around me who are much smarter than I am about this thing. And again, could be any situation. Bob Garrett was talking about this uh, cybersecurity situation, cyber attack. Why would a CEO be the expert on cybersecurity? Why would the CB CEO be an expert on infectious disease? He or she needs to be the best leader and manager of the organization. And he needs to know who is the best expert. He needs to know, he or she needs to know, who do I go to for this answer? That is being a good leader, not going out there and talking about things you don't know about. So Yeah, I'm not a fan of saying I'm the smartest I know more than the generals. I know more than the doctors. I know more than, I, I, it just never strikes me as confident. It's, it's something else. But again, my, as I said, my degree is not in psychology, right? Maybe one day it will be. No, but you, you have a background in psychology. I do. I do. That's what my degree is in. And I use it every day. It's great. What's the connection between psychology and leadership? Everything. Everything has to do, oh, here we go. What do we got? Can we get emotional a, intelligence? Dr. Daniel Goleman, Dr. author Daniel of the book Goleman. Uh, Emotional Intelligence. What is the connection between crisis leadership and emotional intelligence? It's all human beings. We deal with human beings on a daily basis, over the phone, in person, and whether you're talking in a crisis, in good times or in bad, 
psychology and getting into understanding the human nature and how people react to the good and the bad, that's how you're going to be a success and being able to manage and do all that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Shift gears. What do we got? About five minutes left. So Mary, can we do this? Let's uh, go to our greatest leadership quotes of all time. Okay. So uh, set this up, Mary. Where yeah. do these quotes come from so, so people don't think they're just... Yeah, they're not. We actually the we wrote all 100 of them, Steve. No. There's 100 uh, best it was leadership our, yes. quotes of all time. It not, was a, they do not come from Mary and Steve. I know, although some of them, I, I swear we live and breathe by them. But article on Inc.com uh, was this article by Lolly Daskal, the president and CEO of Lead From Within. Go ahead. And there were just so many great quotes. And uh, throughout the series, we've been really talking about really the quotes that resonated with us. I loved when people talk, listen completely. Number 14, if you're following along, Ernest Hemingway. When Wait. people talk, listen completely. Go ahead. You and I often talk and we joke about it. It's once you say, you know, um, sorry for interrupting. Once you say that, maybe you shouldn't have interrupted. If you're sorry, now sometimes you have to. What we do in television, things are timed. You need to really make sure to keep it flowing and moving. But sometimes you need to be truly present and listen and not be thinking about what you're going to say next. I am the worst at that. I'm always thinking about what I want to say. I always want to be prepared. And I've been trying to practice being more thoughtful while someone is speaking and actually listening to what they are saying. I'm sorry, you finished. I don't want to interrupt I'm done. You. Go ahead. <laughs> Good job. I noticed. I was seeing how long I could go, and then I yes. gave you a pass. Did that look like I was listening? Yeah. What's your next number? So uh, how about this one? This is interesting. This is from David Starr Jordan. I don't even know who that is. Number 23. Wisdom is knowing what to do next. Skill is knowing how to do it. Virtue is doing it. What does that mean to you? I have no idea. You? I wondered because I read that one and almost circled it and I didn't really know what he was saying. You know why so I then I moved it? on. Why? Because I thought you might be able to tell me what it no. meant. <laughs> no. I'm that sorry. one didn't really work okay, for I'm me. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, hold on one second. Uh, okay, I got it. number 16. Okay, you go. Ready? Mm -hmm. Number 16. It doesn't matter what number it is. Not like you have the list at home. <laughs> Andrew's sitting there going, why Steve giving the number? Okay, number, here it is. One of the tests of leadership is the ability to recognize a problem before it becomes an emergency. See, this one's huge. Huge. Go ahead. Huge. We talk about that, especially in business. It's so important. A true leader is able to see things, feel things, predict things, and, and see trends, you know, a pattern, if you will. And so this way, it doesn't become a major problem. You could kind of nip it in the butt a lot sooner. So that's Connecting. a good one. Connecting the dots. Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean. <sighs> yep. It, it. Okay. All right. I'm big on that one. But where's the other one about office hours? Oh, here it is. Oh. This is from Cardinal Gibbons. There are no office hours for leaders. Again, we've touched on this before. Mm -hmm. But, and we talked about this with uh, Kika Wise, who did, we did a separate uh, lessons in leadership with Kika. She runs a great uh, stretching studio and she has a franchise of, I think, 11? 11, yeah, 11, she's all 11 all around the country. But she's always thinking. You're always thinking, I'm always thinking, Brian's always thinking. Do you think it takes a certain kind of person, there are no office hours for leaders, do you think there's only a certain group of us? And I'm not trying to be an elitist here, but I... I do. I think there's a certain group of people that are constantly looking to strive, to learn, to grow. And there's other people that are doers, and we've talked about this before, but they go to work nine to five, they punch the clock, they get home, and then it's all done. They don't want to think about it until they get to work the next day. Anything wrong with that? 
No, I, I think to each their own. I mean, the, the beauty of, you know, living life is everybody can do what they want to do. And if it works for a certain person, it's not me, it's not you, then I think that's okay. I'm torn on this. Got a minute left. I don't want to open up this massive leadership Pandora's box, but I actually don't think it's okay. And I'll tell you why. Because in this day and age, with the level of uncertainty, the level of competition, the level of innovation that is necessary to stay relevant, if we only, if organizations only count on certain people to be the ones to come up with ideas, to stay ahead of the trends, to, uh, to be innovative, and a significant number of people on the team, they're just going to do their job every day mm -hmm. and go home at five or a little before we know who you are. Um, that doesn't work. Sorry. And I'm not say everyone, saying everyone has to be as committed or True. obsessed as some of us, but True. come on, really? I'm just going to do my job and go certain home? Certain jobs, though. I mean, certain jobs you can be done at five o'clock and just go home. There are certain jobs that you can. And again, in a dynamic, successful company? Uh, well, I guess we're talking different types of professions, but sure, I do think that there is a place for those types of people. You and I have agreed to disagree on that. We could talk about that in another 10 years, but. And you know what? Brian's going like this, Brian Brodeur. That's gonna be our universal signal. That? We'll just do this from now on yes. when we're done. Okay, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamma, this has been another great edition of Lessons in Leadership. I want to thank all of our sponsors and also the folks who carry us all around on the digital platforms as well as on AM 970 at, and also at News 12 Plus. Thank you for watching us. Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. We'll be back next week, same time, same bat channel. God, that was corny. That was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast where Steve talks with high-profile thought leaders about the critical issues, trends, and challenges facing New Jersey, the region, and our nation today. Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Prager Metis, Gibbons PC, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825.